0: Hello! Welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brandon Wagner. I'm Adam McKeever. And today we are wrapping up our delve into dragons with the lesser quote-unquote dragons. They're still pretty great, but they're not, you know, true dragons, despite having the dragon creature type and having dragon in their name sometimes. But they're not really dragons.
1: Well, some
0: of what we're going to talk about are real dragons. Yes, like dragon turtles. Those are real dragons. Yes. Uh, let's start with dragon turtles. Do you have those pulled up on your screen? I do. I do. Dragon turtles. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different kinds. So let's just dig right in. Uh, dragon turtles are my favorite non-real dragon dragon because they are amazing. I know they're Phil's favorite non-real dragon dragon because they're, they're turtles. turtles. <laughs> and uh, the turtles. So let's let's talk about their stat block real quick. Uh, they're a CR 17 monster, so they are tough. Like, they can go
1: toe-to-toe with a lot of non-ancient dragons. Anything that's got an AC of 20 is going to be difficult to fight. Right. They also have a breath weapon, which is
0: why I think they're closer to true dragons than a lot of the other not-so-true dragons. And they have steam breath, which is awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just imagine enslaving a a dragon turtle to power your ship. Oh my gosh, I didn't even thought of it. That's awesome. Like that—that that is your steam engine—is the dragon turtle, like a young one. So you can keep it in the hold of the ship. No, like I, I'm thinking, like you have to have the dragon turtle because the ship is just so massive. That's huge, the only, just that is the huge. only way to produce enough steam. Like your your ship is like those.
0: What's that? That uh, that movie with the all the cities or cars? I don't know. Uh, it came out like. Last year or two years ago, I don't watch movies. Anyway, there's a movie that came out a couple years ago where all the cities are cars because of some apocalyptic apocalyptic event, so they're all like on wheels. It's like, yeah. oh no, here comes Rome, but <laughs> not imagining that with a boat. Like there's a sh- there's a city that sails around the world, and it has you know a family of dragon turtles that live in its deepest hold that keep it
1: going. That would be really cool, uh, but yeah, uh, actually, mercenary monsters—they are smart enough to be bribed. Yeah. They speak so, for Conic and Aquan. Yeah, so um oh jeez. Like a band of Tritons that like live in its in mouth, mouth. <laughs> No, not live in its <laughs> mouth, but like they they pillage and like part of their pillaging gets given to the dragon turtle to like again, fuel their ship. Mm, or like okay. to pull them along and be like extra defense. Okay. Like
0: so Dragon turtles are gargantuan creatures, and like we talked about with, regular, with true dragons, I like the idea of that they never stop growing, mm-hmm. that they just continually get bigger and bigger and bigger, and the obvious go-to with your titanic dragon turtles is the dragon turtle island, mm-hmm. like in Avatar, where you just have this ancient, wise powerful dragon turtle that is an island that sinks into the sea sometimes or maybe it doesn't. Maybe this dragon maybe this one particular dragon turtle is pretty benign and has people living on its shell so it doesn't dive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> or it just,
0: you know, wanders. Yeah, it just kinda wanders around into your your crazy dragon turtle islands that you can have adventures on. Maybe there's ruins on it because it was stationary long enough for a
1: civilization yeah. to start,
0: but then it decided to die so then they all they're all gone. <laughs>
1: Rise but, and fall of a civilization, all on the whim of a dragon turtle. You know, it's like that myth where the the world is on the
0: shell of a tortoise.
1: But, is it on the back of four elephants that are standing on a tortoise? Yes, that's what it is. Well, at least in the Hindu myth.
0: That's Hindu. Okay, I was I thought that was what it was. but I don't want to be wrong. But yeah, that's uh, dragon turtles. Pull them into that. Um, yep. Uh, they like it. Says that they find their way through elemental rifts into the elemental plane of water. And these are the ones that are going to be, you know, monstrously big. I mm-hmm. like the idea of, you know, how a goldfish will grow to fit the container it's in. Up so, to
1: a point, but yeah. Yeah.
0: So dragon turtles on the prime material plane, they get X big. But if they go to the pla- em- elemental plane of water, which is a bigger ocean, they get even bigger. And then And So like a dragon turtle on the prime material is the size of a ship, maybe a small island. And then you go to elemental plane of water and you have continent-sized giant <laughs>
1: turtles. <laughs> sorry. I just I watched this video of these people that were just like, name a country in the world on this map. And they kept pointing to Africa and saying, Africa. And they to have, have to say, no, that's a continent. <laughs> I am from every continent <laughs> in, in Africa. Africa. <laughs> this, must, this must be that new geography. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, dragon turtles, I feel like approaching I always want to approach them the same way I approach regular dragons. As far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned they're just dragons that have shells instead of wings. They're really no different. Yep. Um they're not any less intelligent, they're not any less. They don't have as much magical inherent magical control of their environment the way that Ancient dragons do. Yeah, they, they don't have as much of an
1: impact on their surroundings,
0: right? But you can take a look at some ocean-faring creatures and some dragons' regional effects or layer actions, and kind of be like, "Okay, let's do this with my ancient dragon turtle." Right. Time. So,
1: kind of play on that. Um, now, I guess we could go to the opposite end of the spectrum and look at pseudo dragons.
0: Yay, pseudo dragons! The little, the ultimate wizard familiars. Yep. Uh, I don't know if this.
1: I match. Oh, awesome!
0: I know the order of the alphabet. <laughs> um, okay. So pseudo-dragons are... They're, they're, they, they're very they're tiny. familiars. They're very small. They're a tiny dragon. They're neutral good, which is kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have a breath weapon. No, nope, But they do have a stinger, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and they, they're telepathic. They can talk with you. Mm-hmm. And That's what makes them good familiars, is that yes. they can... They're quiet, they're defensive, they're smart, they can focus on spells, they can sting to defend themselves, which makes them way better than most familiars. Who, yes. If you want to have an attack who you never have your familiar attack because it's just a owl or a dog or a rat or something. But the pseudo dragon familiar is kind of the bomb. You know, that's like the iconic wizard with the tiny dragon that serves it.
1: Yeah. I, I do love that they they don't necessarily speak even with their uh Telepathy, but they communicate via emotions. That's pretty cool. Oh, excuse just- me. I I feel like that kind of a thing could be a really cool hook for a DM to use. Mm-hmm. Like you suddenly feel a wave of dread coming from your pseudo dragon before something actually happens. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how how like dogs know that there's trouble coming. Like the DM could use the pseudo dragon to be like the dog knows. <laughs>
0: Um, I like that the pseudo Dragon has, understands, but doesn't speak. It only uses telepathy. But you can yep. talk to it in common or draconic, and it will... It will get it. It'll know what you're saying. Um, it knocks people unconscious with its poison, which is kind of neat. <laughs> Gives your wizard a little bit of a way to defend itself, himself or herself, or their self. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's DC 11 con, so it's not going to stop Barbarian, but... No, but... It might stop another wizard from casting a spell.
1: <laughs> yep. Or it could uh, just just so happen, like, if you're in that, like, mid to lower levels, the whatever the target is just rolls bad. They roll a one. Mm-hmm. And you get a little extra bonus out of it. If you're playing a
0: campaign world where dragons are not the grand, intelligent beings that they are... I think pseudo dragons are great for a low level encounter, especially if there's a lot of dragons. You can just mm-hmm. because they're only one quarter challenge. I mean, a party of level ones couldn't take on a, a flock of them, but two or three they could handle. Oh yeah, um, and that would be that would be a really interesting world to me. Is a world where dragons are there and they're present and they're important, but pseudo dragons are pests. You yes. know, that's like that's your first quest is don't clear the basement of rats, clear the basement of pseudo dragons that are. Getting into all like the malt liquor and you know in the basement. <laughs> they're just they're getting into our malt liquor and stealing our brass. Yeah, <laughs> they, they they want to hoard, but they don't know what to hoard, so they just kind of take things. The little thieves. Mm-hmm. They're the goblins of dragons. That's I think that'd be a really fun and unique way to approach pseudo dragons. Is but
1: aren't aren't the kobolds the goblins of dragons?
0: They could be, but <laughs> kobolds are. The hobgoblins of dragons. Pseudo dragons are the goblins, little little buttholes that just break into places and steal things that they can because they have that instinct to hoard. But they're not a grand, powerful ancient dragon that can slay parties of adventurers and level kingdoms and steal mountains of gold. So your pseudo dragon's hoard is like just a pile of trash in the corner.
1: So have you ever seen that like story on like Tumblr or whatever social media you're on where it's about this dragon that as somebody was, like, helping them out and giving to their horde, the dragon kept growing larger and larger. Hmm. Imagine a questline where you have to do that for a pseudo-dragon, where, like, you're you're helping this little itty-bitty pseudo-dragon level up into an ancient one. <laughs> That's how dragons grow, is their horde. Yeah, I mean... They don't, has- they don't
0: age normally. And when you steal a lot of their stuff, they get smaller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe you have a pseudo-dragon in that kind of a setting that was an ancient dragon. Lost its horde mm-hmm. and it wants to get it back and it remembers being huge and grand and now it's just this tiny little
1: thing. Yeah, kind of like what happened to Midgard somewhere in Final Fantasy 14 spoilers. Yeah, Ranger so you get so a little. Late.
0: Um, the image in the book shows it looking like a tiny red dragon and I think that's kind of the default appearance for pseudo dragons, but I think you should just go right ahead and have mm-hmm. different colors of, of chromatic and metallic pseudo dragons. Mm-hmm. And just have, like, oh, you get a little tiny silver dragon. Maybe change some of the uh, aspects of their sting. You know, because right yeah. now, like, rules as written, it deals piercing damage and then becomes poisoned. Maybe have it deal cold damage if it's a white pseudo dragon. Right. You know, get rid of that and overcome some of those. Resi- that makes it a little bit tougher because then it will overcome resistance to non-magic weapon attacks. But, oh well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's not that big a deal. How much no. resistance is your is your party going to have at a level where they're fighting silver dragons?
1: Or if they're, if it's actually a player's familiar, they're fighting against creatures that actually have magical resistance at right. that level.
0: even then, with your familiar, by the time you get to the point where you have really good spells, yeah. you're not going to be sending your familiar into attack.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> if, you, if you're playing your D and D campaign, if you haven't set up like freaking Elder Scrolls Daggerfall, you're a bad DM. <laughs> Hey, let's fight ghosts right now. <laughs> can you, you can you, you, you hurt them? No. <laughs> can they hurt you? Oh yeah, one hit. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Bethesda. Well, I wasn't Bethesda at the time, but still thanks. Yeah.
0: It actually happened in our
1: uh
0: out of the abyss I'm playing with my dad and my brother. One oh, of no. one of the NPCs got one-shot by a wraith. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh hey, let's just let's just go open these tombs and then So yeah, don't open tombs when we play it with our group. Okay. Unless <laughs> <laughs> so, you, know, you want to get get some of the NPCs one-shot by Spectres.
1: Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think my guy will be a little bit smarter than that, considering how much he deals with the arcane.
0: Uh, one thing I want to touch on really quick, that I only just thought of after sitting down here today, are Shadow Dragons and Draco Liches.
1: Oh, yes. And that's something
0: that I never, I didn't even think to touch on. Uh, so... Shadow dragons are just regular dragons that lived in the Shadowfell for a long enough time that it warped them. Um, It replaces their breath weapon with Shadow Breath, which deals necrotic damage. Okay. So that's really all there is to it, is they take damage from sunlight, they uh, have resistance to damage that isn't Force, Psychic, or Radiant while they're in the shadows, they can take the hide action as a bonus action in Dim Light and Darkness. And then they replace their breath weapon with their shadow breath. Hmm. So they're a pretty simple way to do things. But I really like the idea of shadow dragons being magically brought to the Prime Material Plane to guard things. You know, a, a mm-hmm. necromancer, you're, you're used to fighting undead with a necromancer, and then you fight a shadow dragon, which is not an undead. But like we talked about before we started recording, I like the idea of hybrid monster types. Yes. Like in the Monster Manual, everything has one monster type, giant, dragon humanoid, beast, whatever. I like the idea of the Shadow Dragons because of the negative energy of Shadowfell being both a dragon and an undead. Yes. Now, having those dual types really will only matter for rangers because then it's like, oh, I'm uh, my ranger is good against undead, but not dragons. Now I can give them an edge against a Shadow Dragon. Yes. Or a Dracolich, which are only considered undead. Dracolichs are. Um, speaking of draco Liches, they're terrifying they're not really that any more dangerous than living dragons uh, their biggest difference is that they have undead features like uh, what's the word I'm looking for Like they have damage immunities that they wouldn't normally have they have mm-hmm. condition immunities that they wouldn't normally have because they're undead and I like the idea of a, they have a phylactery, so you, you know they can't just be outright destroyed the way that a normal dragon can.
1: See, I really like the art in the in the book there. That's got like this weird like ichor that's like still holding a little bit of the bone together, so it's not like completely a skeleton. I think that's
0: supposed to be its some of its leftover skin, right? Because it's a blue dragon, you can tell by the horn. So I think that's supposed to be some of its skin is still on there.
1: Um. Still, it, it it's a little bit more interesting than just like it just straight up being a skeleton. Like. Right.
0: It talking about how Draco Liches have different kinds of motivations than living dragons. Living dragons are driven by, well, evil dragons that are, or chromatic dragons, I should say, are driven by vanity. They want to build hordes, they want to rule territories. Whereas a Draco Lich is going to be a little more nefarious. They want to rule that says they're driven to rule over all and they're fiendishly intelligent tyrants Um, a Draco Lich being your lord of a necropolis is a pretty cool you know set piece for the adventure you know usually when you think of a necropolis you're going to have a lich at the end but way back when I talked about mummies I talked about having a mummy lord be that intelligent undead ruler Draco Lich can fit that bill too Especially yeah. if you want it to be maybe less challenging. Draco Liches, by the rules as written, don't have as high of a CR as a Lich. But Liches have access to a vast array of magical spells and the ability to spontaneously create undead and stuff like that right. that Draco Liches don't have. but um,
1: add, a little, add a little of that in and you, you got yourself a, a pretty harsh end game boss.
0: Yeah. And one of the things about Draco Liches too is that they, unlike a a lich. A lich is someone who goes out and means to become a lich. They intend to. A Draco Lich can do that, or a Draco Lich can be made. So that allows a Draco Lich to be maybe a midway boss for an adventure where you're going up against a lich. You know, you have a powerful mm-hmm. undead wizard that wants powerful undead servants and creates a a dragon, a Draco Lich. Yeah, that... So I, I like that their their phylacteries are the same thing. It doesn't say they can be anything different. Usually gemstones. Actually, it says specifically
1: gemstones. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that makes sense for a dragon, right? Want to collect cool stuff, and that just lets you do have.
0: This gives you as the DM an opportunity to have more of a theme. You know, your mm-hmm. your DracoLich was a green dragon, so its phylactery
1: is an emerald. <laughs> oh no. The Chaos, the Chaos Emeralds. The Chaos If you have all the Chaos Emeralds, you can control the Draco Lich. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Gotta go fast.
0: All right, let's talk about drakes.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of fast, why don't we start with the Ambush Drake? It's very simple. Uh, these ones aren't really aligned with any of the Chromatic or the uh, Metallic Dragons. Like they, It kind of They're looks an like it could queen. be. Uh yes. Uh, so these ambush drakes, I guess, are just kind of fast. They understand draconic, can't speak it because they're not quite intelligent like a dragon. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one has an intelligence of four. Yeah, it looks um, like, from my understanding of drakes, is they're
0: more like animals than yes. than, any, than proper dragons. Yes. They don't have breath weapons.
1: They don't have wings. You could give them a breath weapon if you really wanted to. Right. Uh, But honestly, I would consider, like, the drakes are, like, if you took away the wings and made a dragon just absolutely feral. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some types of drakes, like the ambush drake, they actually have pack tactics. Which Uh, is pretty cool. I like pack tactics a lot. Which, I mean, it's a half CR for the ambush drake. Uh, but then there are also chromatically aligned, well, chromatically or metallically aligned drakes. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's the blue guard drake I have pulled up here. Uh, so, think of like a Komodo dragon, but with elements of a blue dragon. Okay. So that, that's a good way to picture what these drakes are going to be like. So they're going to be a, a large, four-legged, big-tailed lizard, and they are—they're still predators because that's what a dragon is. All
0: right. If you're familiar with Magic: The Gathering, forget everything you know about drakes because the drakes in D and D are not at all like the yeah. drakes of MTG.
1: Yes, uh, but apparently, uh, like the different guard drakes are gifts from dragons. They will create these uh, drakes for people, Uh, specifically it looks like right here, uh, for people in the cult of Tiamat.
0: Yeah, but it looks like you could learn it if you were otherwise dragon-allied. Yes. You need an iron cauldron, 10 pounds of dragon scales, and a large amount of fresh meat.
1: Yeah, but they also uh, are very eager to learn, it looks like. So if you hatch one of these things, it's going to wake up and it's going to think you're mama. Yeah, it grows in two to three weeks. It's pretty good. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah. So they grow up fast, and then you have a very powerful dog in your party.
1: Oh, man. My my guy in Phil's campaign, now that he's a werewolf, he's going to be like, if we ever encounter a drake and it hatches, it's just like imprints on my guy. I can't even remember his name right now. It's been so long since we've actually played. Ergan. Oh, that's right. Ergen. I know. Sorry. I have a life. <laughs> <laughs> well, We've all had a life for the past two months. Right. Uh, but...
0: It's Man,
1: he'd just be like, "You are part of my pack, and I love you now." <laughs> this is the one dragon we will not kill. <laughs> but I like drakes. I think they're they're very cool for building a
0: theme for any kind of dragon focused campaign, which like filled it. So you can have dragons to fight at a variety of levels because mm-hmm. you know the only they're the guard drakes are CR two. So <laughs> what else is CR two with dragons? Like if the pseudo dragons are really low. Yep. Some fairy dragons are pretty low CR. Very young proper dragons are low CR.
1: Yep, actually, uh the older fairy dragon uh which we can start talking about the sure, fairy dragons uh is also uh a a 2 CR and it's listed as tiny. So it's roughly the same size as the pseudo dragon. And the pseudo was the pseudo dragon tiny or was it uh the pseudo dragon is yes, also tiny, tiny. Yeah, so they no, well,
0: differently than pseudo dragons Fairy dragons are
1: smarter. They're, oh, significantly. They're
0: trickier because they're fairies. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just—they have a lot of really cool effects. That they, they have a euphoria breath for their weapon, which is really cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm going to spit LSD at you. <laughs> As they age, they change colors, which is pretty cool, and then they get different spells based
1: on what color they are. Yep. Uh, yep so it it you, gains additional spells. Yep, so if you are a, uh, a PC gamer, this is the RGB dragon that you want.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, so the kind of spells they get are very much in line with them being fairies. And again, mm-hmm. with the dual-type monsters, I would consider these dragon and fey. Um, they get dancing lights, you know, mage hand, mirror image... Minor Illusion, Hallucinatory Terrain, Polymorph when they get to being Violet Dragons, Um, Mm -hmm. Suggestion, just spells that you can use to mess with the party. We talked about with the Feywild having Pixies or something like that just show up and mess with the party. Um, If you really want to give them an encounter that will more confuse and annoy them, then straight up challenge them with their stats. Fairy dragons are a great way to do it. Oh, yeah. Um, I think Tim had fairy dragon be the catalyst of his campaign that he ran. Yes, only he
1: he used a a homebrew style of fairy dragon. I don't think he used the one in the main book, because this fairy dragon was very large. Mm. Uh, And, yeah, it was just a a dragon that happened to live in the Fey world. Um, And... Yeah, he's the Hadouken nut, no. That's what Euphoria Breath looks like. Yeah, uh, no, he just wanted to mess with people, so he uh, stole stuff from both the Light and the Dark Veil.
0: What a punk. Fairy dragons are, I like them a lot. I like they have butterfly wings. Yes. (laughs) Um, I would absolutely skin them, though, as being different based on what part of the Feywild they're from. If they're, like, from the bright and happy part of the Feywild, give them butterfly or dragon wing, or dragonfly wings. And then, you know, the dark part of the Feywild, give them, like, bat wings or moth wings. That would be pretty cool. Right. Like, big luna moth wings, something like that. Um.
1: Sorry, there's the conversation going <laughs> Anyways, on. Anyways, um, I think all we have left is Wyverns. Uh, Wyverns, and there's one... Uh, uh... Oh, empty fat pet boxes. Okay, uh, never mind. Uh, so yeah, wyverns. Wyverns I,
0: like wyverns. I like wyverns. I like them as the dumb dragon. Yes. Compared to every other type of lesser dragon, I like the wyverns as just being the scary predator dragons. They're not dumb. Well, intelligence is five, so they're kind of dumb. Yeah. But having them be they, more they can't predatory, speak. having them be more, uh. Being able to be trained by some people like desert-dwelling giants or anything like that, training wyverns.
1: Yep. Can be tamed and used as a mount, but doing so prevents a difficult and deadly challenge. Yeah, they're violent. They're just destructive. They're
0: just forces of nature. Mm-hmm. They don't have a breath weapon. They have a stinger. It's much stronger than the pseudo-dragon stinger, given that um, rather than being CR 1 quarter, they're CR 6. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and I like, I like wyverns for deserts for savannas for rocky mountains and hills just anywhere where the terrain is just kind of hot and dry and nasty Mm -hmm. also skyrim because a lot of people argue the dragons of skyrim are wyverns because they don't have front legs (laughs) they (laughs) just have back legs i also really like the uh design of it in the monster manual where it looks very snake-like it looks like almost like a cobra
1: yes uh got this image right here this is the same one cuz like it, it's got like the the frills on the side of its neck that like stick out and the like, would, unhinged forked tongue I would super run
0: with that in a world with a lot of dragons, I would put Wyverns in more environments than I would in more of a default D&D setting. Ooh, and imagine one them, of these
1: that like can glide between trees in like, a really deep jungle Right, deep setting. jungle
0: Wyvern. And I would change their appearance to fit the kinds of serpents that live in those areas. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the jungle, the Wyverns are going to be a little bit, I don't know, bigger, like a, like a constrictor snake.
1: More colorful.
0: Maybe I would get rid of the stinger for those ones and give them mm-hmm. a constrict attack. There's yep. a lot of monsters with a
1: constrict attack, or add the stinger effect to their bite Oh, yeah. That would that. Be uh,
0: if you're doing like a rocky, like Southwest United States foothills type of environment, give them a rattle. <laughs> <laughs> that would be pretty cool. Um, if you're doing, you know, D and D in Australia, have them just be jet black. <laughs> and just nasty and mean and five health bars and have five if, health if bars. it's
1: from australia you can't have anything less than five health bars um
0: i like the idea of powerful wyvern uh like with the five health bars thing i really like that mechanic in um the theros book with uh what are they called mystical or mythical monsters
1: yeah i don't know where
0: there's a mechanic where ha- where when you reduce their health to zero their health fills back up and the fight changes
1: Oh, so like when you, I didn't read that. So when, you fight, awesome.
0: when you fight Tromacratus, he has 600 health or 400 <sighs> health. You bring him down to zero. His armor falls off, revealing four beating hearts. The hearts each have 100 health. And that's how you beat Tromacratus.
1: <laughs> Dang! <laughs> so, and speaking of Theros, there is one more kind of dragon I want to talk about. Yes, and... let's talk about... This it one come, particular butthole. Named well, Niv Mizzet. <laughs> I more want to talk about like named dragons that don't fit the mold. So, like Niv Mizzet, while he is red, he doesn't really have the same personality as a red dragon, right? He has fire.
0: He has fire breath. He has red coloring, but he's not. No, because a like, red dragon. Yeah, because for one. He's got nine levels of spellcasting. Right, and his CR is 26, which is much higher than a normal red dragon.
1: Yes. uh, And, you know, legendary actions. He doesn't have any, like, regional effects, but that would be kind of bad for a city. Right. Uh, But (laughs)
0: With Niv-Mizzet, if you're playing a Ravnica campaign, that's his regional effects, is you're in an it neighborhood. Yeah. So there's steam vents, and there's wild experiments going on,
1: and stuff like that. But, I mean, like, if... Niv Mizzet goes for a meeting in the Selesnia Conclave. It's not going to go with him.
0: I would give him layer actions too. The party, oh, probably was going to fight him in Miz- in whatever it was called, Mizium.
1: Yeah, that's his layer. Um, but more, less about just like Niv Mizzet specifically, and more about dragons is that they don't have to fall into one of those ten color categories. Oh okay, yeah, absolutely not. You could have an ancient dragon that has some like fantastical coloring, and they don't. They don't fit the mold of any of the dragons that we've Mm -hmm. talked about. So like Niv-Mizzet, instead of being... uh, He's a hoarder of knowledge, but less. it's less of a hoard that he keeps secret and more of a hoard that he uses as a tool. He always has a plan. There's always something he's working Mm -hmm. towards.
0: And he can concentrate on two spells at once, which is busted.
1: Yeah, well, you know, he's got the... He's the Draco genius, and you can spread his spell. A fire mind. Yeah. Uh, wait. Is legendary actions. One of them just regain a spell slot. <laughs> a third or level low or lower. Third or lower, but you know,
0: fire uh, fireball <laughs> flaming sphere. Yeah. And you know, you know how good flaming sphere is in, from Bill's artificer. Yeah. yeah. Just will squeeze it around like boom, a
1: flame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Niv-Mizzet, I think, is a really good example of a dragon that doesn't fit the normal D&D stereotype, that you can still create an interesting dragon, as long as you have that same, like, they are powerful, they are very knowledgeable, they have plans, and usually they collect something, even if it's not in, like, an actual hoard where it's all just stored away. Because Niv-Mizzet is constantly taking his information and distributing it mm-hmm. for his own gains.
0: Right. And with any kind of dragon character that you want to break the mold of the monster manual a little bit, you know, take that base block, take whatever breath weapon stats you want it to have, and that's your jumping off point. It's like, okay, so it's going to have a bite and a claw and a tail and a breath weapon, and then it's going to have maybe these base stats, but then kind of go from there and everything else. You just kind of make yeah. it own, Give it a so spell like, casting,
1: give it its own personality. Like, And this is going to be a little bit crass, but it's the first thing that came to mind. You have a dragon that's all about being horny. They're like a sex god or something like that. <laughs> we and talked about that before. And th- their breath weapon is just charm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you can do that too. Have the breath weapon be a spell. Yeah. Which that can get really scary really fast if you're breath weapon is i like the idea of altering the breath weapon now i'm just thinking about breath weapons and spells and i'm like okay what if you have a red dragon but instead of its breath weapon being a cone of fire
1: it shoots fireballs (laughs) (laughs) oh man like you have to roll to see how many fireballs it shoots out i would just say it it shoots two
0: fireballs at at (laughs) two locations whenever it can use its breath weapon
1: oh oof that's scary. That is, <laughs> that is very scary. Fireball is a very scary spell for how low on the uh spell level it is. Fireball scary. And, if, and then if you want
0: to have it be really powerful, don't have it be at, at third level. You know? <laughs> be like, yeah. it's a fourth level or fifth level spell slot fireball. Then it shoots two of roughly every six, five to six rounds.
1: <laughs> That's just
0: terrifying. I would make the roll for regaining that ability only a six, not a five or six. Yeah. It might be kind of scary.
1: Yeah, but it, there's just so much cool stuff you can do with dragons just because of how intelligent and how, like, spanning they are. Like, not only in age, but in what they can do, their intelligence, their influence. Like, mm-hmm. they just, they cover everything. Right. I just,
0: I like I said in the very first episode, we talked about dragons. I think that they either, A, deserve to be in characters, not just creatures. Mm-hmm. Or if you're making a world where they are more or less just large predators, the fact that they exist needs to carry weight because yeah, they're a large predator that can fly. So where the dragons live stuff happens, even if they're just quote unquote dumb animals, they deserve to have an impact on your world. And I think Mm -hmm. that if I was going to make a world where they are just quote unquote dumb animals, they would be important to the story because they'd be around and they'd be dangerous and like their territories would shape Borders and roads.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Whereas in a world where I might just throw a dragon in, and be like, "Hey, if the party goes over here, they encounter a dragon." That dragon's going to be a character. Right. It's not just going to be. There's a dragon here.
1: And now that just had me thinking of something. So, like for right. a, a dragon that's completely off the beaten path, path have a plant based dragon. Ooh, I like ha- it. Have it like so, like it could like scurry up the trees and be like more of like an eastern style dragon, where like it, could if it's just at rest, it would be, it would just look like a tree.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and then all of a sudden this tree moves and starts flowing through the forest and you're just seeing this trunk wrapping around other trees and it dives down and eats like an entire bear or something <laughs> like that and it's, then it just it's, goes it's, back it, to being a it's tree.
0: breath weapon casts druidcraft <laughs> just grows plants <laughs> yeah. or maybe it's breath weapon awakens trees and shrubs. Yep, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah that would be kind of scary to fight like yeah everyone every five five or six rounds it Shoots out a breath weapon and awakens a tree, and now you have a now you have a willow and a dragon that you're dealing with. Don't give any money to Jr. What's her name? I didn't even remember the chick that wrote Harry Potter.
1: Oh, Turf. Yeah, whatever. <laughs>
0: Don't give her any money, but put wamping willows in your game. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that's really all. That's all the different dragon types and yeah, sub dragon types. I mean, types, and I now-
1: mean there's clearly more to it I and mean, people have made a lot more with homebrew stuff but oh God,
0: there's, Phil has that whole book of just dragons yeah um, but there's so many resources out there for coming up with new dragons for using them in your worlds for role playing them dragons there's a reason they're in the name of the game yes there they're so iconic they're so majestic dragons exist in folklore from all around the planet mm-hmm. from nations that are completely Peoples, I shouldn't say nations, peoples that were completely isolated from each other.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there's a reason for dragons being so important and so big in D D is because everyone, no matter where you're from, can read about dragons and be like, oh yeah. And kind of relate to it. It's a great way to spark that fantasy. It's it's kind of a universal hook. Like we give Skyrim a lot of shit for his intro, but all the way in attacking the city is just it's so good it uh, because it's a dragon and you get to see a dragon right yeah.
1: away yeah the, the only problem with skyrim's intro is it takes like five minutes to get down that hill and you're not doing anything interesting during that time
0: you know the game always makes an autosave slot at character creation right yes <laughs> so you only have yeah. to do it once per system you get it on
1: right <laughs> but some people overwrite that autosave yeah but that's on you yeah <laughs>
0: At this point, the, that game has been out for nine years. At this point, you should know that you, that, that well, obviously the, exists.
1: The the, the better <laughs> thing to do is just do the start a new life mod, where you get to choose a different like scenario that you start in. Huh, pretty cool. Yeah. Well, if you're playing on PC, yeah, I that. play on Switch, so yeah, oh, no, you got motion controls though. I use my Pro controller. <laughs> it's the right. <laughs>
0: well, that's because player. I have four. I have four joy cons that all have drift. so mm. yeah anyways enough about skyrim um skyrim is very cool with dragons though <laughs> and they're not wyverns because they're intelligent and can speak so yeah uh that debate is over don't at me um <laughs> that's all i got for today um next week i think i want to talk about um npcs traveling with the party
1: because that's something you've gotten some new experience DMing with.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's something that you know is it's something that happens in a lot
1: of games. Yes, and I've got a little bit of experience with that uh, first level party that I was running with Gavin and Mason. So, mm.
0: so yeah, NPCs traveling with the party. Um, we'll talk about I guess DM controlled party members, but uh, the short answer is I'm not a huge fan of them, but they have a reason to exist sometimes. <laughs> yes. And I think we can definitely fill an episode talking about having NPCs traveling in the party and ways to utilize that as an interesting part of your game and not just something that is there and is there exactly. So, next week NPC party members. Um I'm sure we'll touch on dragons again in the future. They'll come up in you know talking about different environments and settings and dungeon building and just
1: there's so many subjects related really to D&D that you can bring it, dragons And into. you can't talk about dungeons and dragons without mentioning them. Right. So, I'm <laughs> so, sure we're not done with dragons, but for the most part, we're done with dragons. <laughs> <laughs> we're done with this series of them, so...
0: Right, that's all I got for today. We'll see you guys next week. As always, keep on delving.